We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, it's Alex from the Guilty as Charged podcast crew, and I'm here to talk about Manscaped. Just like an NFL game, your balls need to be clean. What happens when your balls aren't clean? I don't know. Joshua Kelly fumbles, Philip Rivers interceptions, deflate gate, you name it. Using the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0, you can groom to your heart's content. Their trimming technology is the best in the biz, and you won't catch a suspension for cheating. Personally, I love the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs. Whatever you want, Manscaped has it. For 20% off your first order, use code GUILTY at checkout. It supports the show, but also supports your grooming habits. That's the most important thing. We care about you. Again, that's code GUILTY at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. Now let's get to those Los Angeles Chargers. Hey guys, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven and joining me as always are Tyler and Alex. Alex, how are you doing today, dude? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, Everybody is, uh, you know, talking about that video of that kid talking to Cam Newton. I just got to (laughs) say, what a fucking brat. <laughs> As someone who works with middle schoolers, man, the first rule in arguing with middle school with middle schoolers is don't just don't even <laughs> don't even try. Um, Tyler, how are you doing today, man? Uh, today I went for a jog. So according to Dolphins Twitter, that makes me better than Justin Herbert. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I feel so bad for Tua, man. Like I, I loved him coming out of college, and he's going to get traded to the Texans, and his career is going to be over. So yep, uh, just. What a unfortunate shame. for him. Um, anyway, obviously, that's all speculation. So we do have a fun show for you guys today. Um, first and foremost, we do have an interview, another prospect interview with Houston defensive end Peyton Turner. Uh, we're going to get to that first. And then after that, we're going to do some fun experimenting with uh, the Chargers cap situation and potentially free signing free agents, cutting decisions and things like that. 
have some good discussions. I know we've kind of talked about a bunch of it, but um, you know, I'm going to share my screen of over the cap. And, and so you guys can see uh, really what kind of decision-making process, obviously we're not experts at this kind of thing, but you know, having this kind of discussion will show kind of what the chargers and other teams will be, will be talking about um, you know, in a few weeks as well. So let's get to this interview with uh, Houston defensive and Peyton Turner. Uh, and then we'll go from there. All right, guys, we are so happy to be joined now by Houston defensive end Peyton Turner. Peyton, thanks for taking the time to join, join us today. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. You know, couldn't be happier to have someone on. You know, I think the Chargers do need a defensive end. And so we've been doing some cornerbacks and some running back interviews. Uh, so it's nice to get someone of a position of need for the Chargers. Um, maybe let's start with this. For people who are a little unfamiliar with your game, how would you describe your style as a pass rusher, as a defensive end? And maybe who would you compare yourself in, like, uh, in terms of players in the NFL? Uh, yeah, uh, violent. Um, if you haven't seen, my, seen me uh, play, I think I'm, I'm, a, I'm a violent player. Uh, you know, I compare myself to uh, bigger defensive ends in the league. Uh, Cam Jordan, for sure, uh, the way he plays. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he's pretty versatile on the edge. And then, you know, he can bounce down to the inside and rush on that guard. So, I'd say Cam Jordan would be a pretty good comparison to the way I play. I love that comparison, man. You know, because like if you turn on even just the first game against BYU that you had, you know, you're rushing against the guards, you're rushing with your hand in the dirt, you're rushing out wide as a Y9, you know, in a two-point stance. Right. Where does that versatility come from for you? Or is that something that you've kind of had to work on throughout your process uh, in college? Yeah, my first two years in college, you know, I played 4I and, you know, we just hold, hold B-gap you know, and then we get to rush outside. So it's not going to get a lot of production uh, doing that too much. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, just developing, just continuing to get comfortable on the outside, on the edge, and then just, just playing around with it. You know, this, this past year was the first year I had some consistency in the off season, even though we had COVID and everything. But I mean, it's more than I usually have had because uh, I did have an injury sophomore year. So sophomore, junior year, didn't really have much, um, off season. So uh, this past year, I had the off season where you know I could I could figure out what I need to do and just just mess around with it. Just mess around with it. I like that. Do you do you feel like you have a go to pass rush move or one that you feel like works better than other ones? Yeah, I mean, when in doubt, uh, just be violent. So uh, I, I like oh, long wow. arm. The long arm. My arm's pretty long. Keep them off my body. Uh, speed to power. Then uh, just go with one arm. And you got the hump off that. You got you got a lot of stuff off of one arm. So. Uh, long arms so i'd say that's my my go-to right there love that man love that i I, one of the things that i think is a little unappreciated about you in in terms of like what draft analysts are talking about is that your motor is just always running man you know i watched the byu game several times i watched your game against um tulsa i think you know and you're chasing down guys 10 15 yards down the field um are you a fast guy or is that just an effort thing because i know there's a difference between being like fast fast and being like fast on a football field right no, I think I'm both. Uh, I, I mean, I play fast, I play hard, and I mean, I just, I just like playing, competing. So I'm always going to play hard whenever I'm on the field. So that's just, that's just how it comes out on the field. I love that, man. I love that. So let, let's talk about your senior role experience because um, I think that experience was, you know, it's so valuable this year. I mean, it's always valuable, but this year especially, you know, because of COVID and because of, you know, there's, there's going to be a combine, but not really. So what was the senior role experience like for you? <laughs> Uh, you know, it was, it was a long days, uh, you know, early mornings, uh, but I mean, it was a good, it was a good experience. It, it was nice. Uh, you know, you got to talk to, talk to guys that play the same position as you or play across the line. 
and just get to know everybody. So it was cool, you know, I guess networking or whatever, but just talk, talking game. And, you know, a lot of people are saying the same things in different ways and just, you know, just, just sharing, sharing game and, and everything. Uh, got to talk to just about every, I think all but one. And then I had a zoom with them. I talked to all the teams though. All, everybody was there, but yeah, that, that, that experience is invaluable this year, especially since there's no combine, like you said, it's just the medical. So uh, just going, you know, going in there and just learning from the coaches uh, and just taking it all in. Uh, I think it was really valuable. Was there a certain pass rusher or, you know, just player in general that you were excited to get down to and kind of chat it up with? Oh, sorry, that last part skipped out. You said, and just chat up? Did you say chat with? Sorry, sorry if it cut up. Um, was there a person like, you know, one of your peers, another pass rusher, an offensive tackle that you were excited to go against in practices and the games? Um, maybe was maybe someone that you were just like really excited to go up against or chat up with? Oh yeah, uh, uh, Boogie, Boogie Basham, uh, okay. yeah, it was cool, cool, just ch- uh, cutting, uh, cutting up with him, just chop, chopping it up with him. But yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of guys like I said that you know you get to go against, get to see in real life, in person, because you know there was only so many games this year. And I only played re- really in like three and a half, so uh, I mean, it was cool just talking to everybody. But yeah, uh, I, I definitely said it was cool, cool chopping up with Boogie and uh, you know Pat Jones. I work out with him, so. I mean, we're always cut, cutting up and talking. So just like I said, just talking, talking game with everybody is cool. That's funny that you mentioned Boogie Basham because I feel like you guys are, are very similar in terms of your skill sets, the way you play. You know, you mentioned violence. Uh, you know, that's what I see in Boogie Basham as well. Yeah, he's a great player. He's a really good player. That's exciting, man. Um, a couple, well, not a couple of years ago, last summer, uh, Justin Herbert talked about you know, at the combine, there were some teams that would ask him some weird questions. You know, someone asked him, you know, there were four or five coaches in the room and he's like, which one of us would you punch in the face if you had to choose? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Did you get any weird questions like that this week during the interview or that week during the interviews? Uh, I got a few. Um, I got somebody, somebody was talking about, uh, I follow a lot of Instagram models. uh, (laughs) Like, I was like, all right, like, what does that even mean? Like, I like, I appreciate like good looking people. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, I got that one. Um, I got like, what's the first thing I do in the morning? Uh, there's a, there's a, there's some weird stuff in there, but uh, yeah, I think the super mo- the model one was was the most outlandish, probably. That's hilarious. Man. I mean, I, you get some weird ones though. Uh, there's there's some, there's some wild ones out there. Yeah, uh, Justin was telling that story on the Pat McAfee show last year after he got drafted. And, and, you know, of course, everybody was eating up. It was hilarious. Um, But (laughs) social media habits, man, I think that's that's a new one. I haven't heard of that one before. Yeah, that's what I got. (laughs) That's funny, man. Um, So in terms of maybe a team that stood out to you or do you feel like you would fit better in a certain scheme, I guess, is, is what, you know, I've kind of been asking these prospects. Do you think that you know, like the Chargers are playing a 3-4 scheme. Like, could you play outside linebacker or would you have a preference of playing 4-3 defensive end? I mean, I'm comfortable with either. Uh, I, I played I played a 3-4 DN. I played a 4-3 DN. Um, I played inside. So I think I'm athletic enough and quick enough to play outside backer. And, you know, I'm long enough to put on weight and, you know, just stay or stay at 270 and play on the edge. So, I mean, I'm comfortable either way. I think, I think I, that's what's so good about me is that I can fit just about any scheme. So 
uh, I mean, I just just got to learn it. I think I could be successful in wherever I placed. That's awesome, man. I, I think that is is really true for you. Um, you know, there's just I think 70 days until the draft. So, what are some things that you're trying to work on uh, until that day comes that you know you could potentially hear your name called? I just keep working on the stuff that I've been working on uh, from, you know, junior year to senior year. Just keep working on flexibility, keep working on, you know, knowledge, learning the game, learning about the game, and just keep developing moves. Uh, I think that's all you can really do. Uh, just keep, you know, keep training. Yeah, all about putting in that work, right? And we're working on those things, you know. Uh, Peyton, thanks so much for your time, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to forget the Instagram model thing. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> <laughs> you have me, though. Yeah, man, of course. Uh, keep training, man, and hopefully you stay safe with all the, the crazy storms. Although I heard it's kind of passing down. So yeah. um, stay safe, man, and stay healthy. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. All right, so Tyler, you had uh, the chance to watch some of Peyton Turner's film this weekend. Uh, and So what, would you, what were your thoughts on Peyton Turner? And um, you know, what were kind of your reactions to watching his, his film on, on tape this weekend? You kind of gave me a bit of a preview when I think I said I loved Patrick Jones' effort. Mm -hmm. And then you said, okay, well, you're really going to like Peyton Turner. And from the moment you turn on the film, I was only able to watch his game versus BYU, which TDN and PFF has as his worst game. If that's his worst game, then we're in for a treat because he was flying everywhere. Um, probably the most high, not high character, high motor, high effort guy that I've watched in the draft so far. It tells me a lot when if the play, if the running back, if you're on the you know the left side and the running back goes the other way and he's 40 yards downfield, if you're a six, whatever he is, 200 something pound lineman, defensive lineman running down the field, 40 yards just to catch that guy, that tells me so much about you. And one of the things that I think makes some of the best guys on the Chargers so successful, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, is that effort, that hustle, that motor. You know, Kenneth Murray, I, I love how much he hustles every single play. And the fact that he's able to play you know, the most snaps of anybody on defense and still show that is incredible. And that's why he's going to be so Absolutely. successful in the NFL. Joey Bosa, I mean, no one has a higher motive than Joey Bosa every single play. The guy who's going to be your, your closer, your sealer at the end of games. You know, Echenna and Wosu, that's one of the th few things that I liked about him coming out of college. High motor guy. It showed in the preseason. Um, so Peyton Turner, just based on what I've saw, seen and watched so far, high motor, um, a little tall. I started to watch some of the senior bowl reps. Sometimes he's just a little bit too high. doesn't have that bend to get around on the outside sometimes. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a bit of an adjustment for him. But if you were able to work on that or whatever it takes, um, he could be pretty good. So him in like the second round, um, definitely in the third round, um, would be a pretty good haul. I would agree yeah, with that too. He, he, sorry, I was just going to say, you know, he's, he's a two-star recruit that had to kind of grind to where yep. he is. Um, and that's kind of what's impressive about him. And that's what shows up on tape. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I talked with him about, you know, his experience at Houston. And when he was this year, they they did run a, a more traditional defense. But in, in previous years, they ran that three, three, five bull crap that is <laughs> so, you know, all over the place in college football now. And so when you run that kind of defense as a defensive end, you you get like no sacks because you're double teamed on every single play. Like it's just, you know, the whole point is dropping eight in the coverage every single time. And so. I think that's kind of, you know, the mode where that motor comes from because he yeah. knew like, okay, like I'm not going to get sacks. Like I have mm -hmm. to be able to go and chase down runners in order to make plays and really impact the game and get my name out there. So, right. um, you know, he talked about his injury history too. 
Um, yeah. And so he was really candid about everything. And, I, and the question about the Instagram models, man, that that was hilarious. I, I could not believe somebody asked him that. Um, but I, I think he's going to be a fun player. And I think he's someone that you take, you know, in the late second, early third. And, and you know, you're at least going to get a high level worker and somebody that is going to outproduce, you know, his draft selection just because he's going to work so hard. So um, there's definitely a lot of physical upside there. His arms are so long. And he talked about that too, is that his favorite thing to do is just, you know, one long arm somebody and then be able to react off of that. So great length, great size, great effort. And I think he's going to be a, a, a very solid starter in the NFL. I completely agree. And the things that I think the stats are there a very short amount of games, obviously, because they played what four games this this year. Yeah. Um, but the things that don't show up on the stats where he just blows up a tackle, and you know, the play goes the other way. But if the play went his way, he would have blown that up and got a tackle for loss. So and everything that he puts into the if you watch the tape, I think you'll like him even more than the stats. So if you guys give him a chance, um, I think you're really gonna like him. For sure. Yeah. I would agree with that. <laughs> so we're let's let's talk about this free agent. Uh, so I'm going to share my screen right now to over the cap. Um, you know, obviously with over the cap and spot track, you know, you'll you'll have a little bit of differences, differences, differences. <laughs> uh, goodness sake. Um, so right now, the you know the main difference between the two is that over the cap has the Chargers with 23 million dollars in cap space. Spot track has it closer to 30. Um, you know, Alex pointed this out. Um, over the cap has five players on the roster that Spot Track does not. Right? Is that right, Alex? Yeah, I think uh, Spot Track has sorry uh, forty five, and uh, Over the Cap has forty eight. So that might be the difference of like a couple of the um, like minimum guys who are making like between six hundred sixty and one million. Uh, or you know, it could also just be the difference of a couple um, a couple million when we're talking about some of the bigger contracts because I think they had uh, one of them had Trey Turner at eleven and one of them had Trey Turner at eleven point five. So it could be really like small stuff like that too. I think. Yeah. So we'll we'll have a conversation about all these guys. We're going to talk about potential cuts first. Uh, just keep in mind that you know most people are projecting the Chargers to have around thirty million. So um, just a little difference there and. You know, each each website offers you different things, right? You know, SpotTrack offers you an insight into the potential market value of certain free agents. Uh, not everyone. I wish they would do everyone. But um, so we're going to talk about some of those. So let's start with potential cuts. Um, obviously, the Chargers do not have to cut anyone. I think they're probably going to just because, you know, they're going to want to be able to be aggressive in certain areas of free agency. Um, so let's start with the obvious one in Trey Turner. Right. And so I think all three of us are in favor of cutting Trey Turner. Uh, yes. I don't want to put words in your guys' mouth, but uh, are we cutting Trey Turner first? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's the easy one. You know, we talked about him earlier and I don't really feel like beating a dead horse. It just, it makes too much sense to cut him. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see right away, it goes from 23 to $35 million in cap space. And that's just one cut. Uh, and, you know, the Chargers could take that same money and give it to Hunter Henry, and then there's your extension. So mm-hmm. um, let's talk about Casey Hayward. Uh, Alex, you kind of talked about this a few weeks ago. What are your pros and cons of cutting Casey Hayward? Um, I think if you want to start with the cons, the cons is, you know, he has a lot of uh, familiarity with this Chargers team. He's been kind of a vocal leader for a while uh, on that defense, you know, over five or six years now. Uh, but 
I, I do think the cons of it are, you know, he is coming off of a season where he had a lot of injuries. He is 32 years old and, you know, he's, he's not going to be able to keep up with guys that have a lot of speed or physicality on the outside. I mean, that's what we saw last year. Um, for me, I would vote cut just because, you know, with the Staley system, I think you kind of need to start fresh when it's when we're talking about a guy like Hayward. Um, you already have two 32-year-old corners. And, you know, when we talk about Chris Harris, that's a guy who can at least put uh, go on the inside and play slot versus, you know, Casey Hayward hasn't played slot in six years. Um, so that's, you know, an important thing there. But um, I think it's not uh, a great, you know, situation. I definitely am not enthusiastic about cutting Casey Hayward in the same way that I might be about Trey Turner, just because Casey's been here longer and he's been a leader. But I, I just, to me, I don't think you can go into next year with him as your CB1 uh, playing kind of a Staley type three, four. It may be different if Anthony Lynn was still here um, and they were still running Gus Bradley kind of stuff. But I, I just think the new scheme uh, his age and injuries uh, all create some uh, complications. Yeah, Staley coming in certainly throws a monkey wrench in him sticking around. I think, if, like you said, if Lynn were back, Hayward probably sticks around. And, you know, he kind of, he does deserve to stick around in a way because of all the previous production and how good he was before. But with Staley coming in, I just think they want someone different, someone more athletic. And I don't think that's Hayward. It's never been Hayward. Um, also, I think you can get enough figured out in the slot even if Harris isn't quite working out in the slot you could move him to outside I guess um but you could in the slot you don't have to, well they're not cutting Harris anyway but since they aren't they have Harris they could work utterly in the slot I do think there's a safety they could bring in that played 230 slot corner reps last season um so I think that can kind of get figured out so I don't think if Davis comes back at least I, I yeah I, I gotta cut Hayward. It's it sucks, and I'm sure he'll go somewhere and have a, a pretty decent season, uh, but it's just not with this team right now. Yeah, you know I think if the Chargers do cut him, I think him signing in Las Vegas is a no brainer. Like you can sign that mm -hmm. right now. So it just kind of sucks to see him go. You know, one of my favorite players in Chargers history, and it's just yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it's a business, and you know you look at this cap number right here, eleven point seven five. And the dead cap is only $2 million. So we're going to, just for this exercise, you know, we're not saying that the Chargers are going to do this. It's just a possibility. So we'll cut Casey Hayward, and then 35 becomes 45. And that's a huge chunk of change, and that's just making two cuts. Like, So we'll get into the next one. Michael Peterson brought this up, and that's Linval Joseph. Mm -hmm. um, he had a good season last year. He was definitely better than what they had previously experienced with Brandon Meebang. Uh, I know that the sack numbers were not there, but you know he was the third lead. He was third on the Chargers in pressures, and you know he's uh, you know a defensive tackle that's mm -hmm. above thirty, and that's just kind of not something that you're that you usually see. Um, I think that next year, you know, he could have another good season. He could have a bounce back season in terms of sacks. Uh, continue to put up those kind of pressures. You know, he also could be someone that is a prime candidate of injuries, right? Because he's, he is an older player and, you know, playing the nose tackle instead of defensive tackle, it's a little different in terms of, you know, production. So I think Linval Joseph, he could have a good season. He could have a bad season. He could have a season where he's injured a lot. Um, the cap number for Linval Joseph is 11.9 and, you know, the dead cap is only $4 million. So what do you guys make? Uh, about cutting Linval Joseph. Tyler, we'll start with you on this one. 
you have to extend him. And that's a lot of money to free up if you do cut him. But you got nobody else on the roster who's going to do his role. And there's yeah. not you're not taking a guy like him until, you know, maybe like Shelvin in the third round. And do you want us, you know, you, you might be getting a rookie edge in a rookie outside linebacker. You could get, you know, a rookie nose tackle in there too. I just don't know if it's going to be expensive, um, but you, you have to extend him. I don't think you can cut him. Um, but I think you definitely have to extend him and try to lower that. Just give him that extra year, lower it this year and figure it out at the end, you know, draft someone like a Shelvin and then figure it out in 2022. But this year you just got to keep them. If, if I had to pick between keeping Hayward and Joseph based on their contracts, I would probably just keep Joseph because I don't think there's a good way you can replace him right now. Yeah, I think Joseph is the tougher one to replace just because it's not a great free agent DT class, nor, you know, it's a decent draft class, but I don't know if the Chargers are going to leap into the second or third round and go defensive tackle. They may wait on that. Um, And, you know... (laughs) Jerry Tillery and Justin Jones are not prepared to take over for Linval Joseph, mm-hmm. even if you combine the two of them. Um, so it's just, uh, it, it's, you know, I, I get that the cap number is big, uh, but unlike with Casey Hayward, I just think Linval Joseph was, was still really good last year. Um, yeah. he has enough production to warrant coming back in this team. And as like Tyler said, you can extend him for a year uh, and then figure it out in terms of the, the cap hit. Uh, I just think he's too valuable to cut unless you really have like a great backup right. option. And like, you know, you go down the list of the free agent class and the biggest one is like Ndama Kung Su, who's 34 years old, right? Or, or somebody like that. Um, you know, they're, they're interesting depth guys, but in terms of starters, I really just don't think you're going to do much better than Joseph. And frankly, like the scheme doesn't change that much for him. Like when we're talking about comparing him or his role with Haywards, right? Yeah. Uh, he's going to be doing the same stuff he's always been doing, uh, yeah. potentially with with more help uh, with defensive line around him. Uh, I, I just think um, they have to keep him, and they do not have a viable replacement uh, at this time. So, you know, extend it. Uh, you know, try, I mean, you can. there are ways you could restructure it and lower that cap hit, but I think at the end of the day, you got to keep him. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think we're all on the same page. So I think uh, over the cap here, can let me work an extension in uh, go up or usually there's a little like side you, thing that comes up you hit su- submit there we go okay there you go so uh, we'll okay. add one year right mm-hmm. so i've looked at this before and i have no idea how to do the math on this one <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm trying to get the cap number for down for next year um or down for this year. What if we make it like 4.5 million for this year? I don't know. I'm just spitballing, but <laughs> that works. We'll make it 6 million for this year and 11 million for next year. Yeah. Extend. All right. Oh. <laughs> Player must be a paid veteran minimum base salary. Each year. Okay. Okay. So then I think you would, you could change the roster bonus then. I don't know. <laughs> well, it only, it's only me. It's only taking me up to 7.075, which I don't uh, Okay. So that freed up $4 million in cap space yeah. by doing a one year extension for the Joseph, which I think is mm-hmm. plenty. Right, um, yeah. It's just uh small things like that add up over time. So, you know, if you save 4 million here, save 4 million there. 
ends up being a significant amount. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. I Like I, I've said a bunch of times, I think Mike Williams is going to play on his fifth year option and then they'll figure it out later. Um, but I just want to see what happens when we do work an extension in for Mike Williams. So what do you guys think a uh, fair value for Mike Williams is? I, I know like Corey Davis's projected market value is like four for $38 million, I believe. What do you guys think? I about think Mike you Williams? could do three for 33. Okay. I think that's the fairest value you're going to get, you know, I, and I know that's going to be like, yeah, you're paying him 10 million a year. Um, I, you know, I think he's going to end up playing under that franchise tag, like we said. Um, but to me, like three years, 30 or three years, 33 is probably what you're offering him. It's just a matter at that point of, you know, does he want to bet on himself for this year or does he want that? long-term security i'm personally just letting him play this year out and pretending like it's a franchise tag an expensive franchise tag yeah and then just let him see what happens later yeah. i agree with that i agree with that i, I just want to see like visualize how this would work so you know taking out the option essentially and then extending him uh would free up four million dollars at that same kind of price tag mm-hmm. um so something to consider i'm sure the chargers will consider that as well um, anyone else you guys want to talk about in terms of potentially cutting? Cause we already talked about Chris Harris and, and how Chris Harris is not going to be cut. Um, anyone else that you want to mention here? Yeah, there's not really many other guys. Uh, I guess Chris Harris was the one we were kind of debating for a while, but Chris Harris, you know, they got Ronaldo Hill, um, and have made it a very Chris Harris friendly system. They've talked a lot uh, about how much they kind of will like Chris Harris going into next year. Uh, I don't think that's happening. And then the one people might point to is Brian Blaga. But as you can see in that uh, 14 million in dead cap value, it's uh, yeah. not great. No, not at all. <laughs> that would be, that would be a tough one. I'll, to be, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be right back. Give me one second. Yeah. So I wouldn't, this is, this is pretty much it for me. Unless you want to nickel and dime your way through the rest of it and get it to, you know, 50 million in cap, which are like 49.7. And that's kind of irritating. 49.876. <laughs> I guess you could cut somebody. Is it's there not anybody? a round number for sure. Yeah, that's really irritating. Um, but we, you know, like I said earlier, you know, this um, over the cap does have, you know, the $7 million less. So this would be like 56, whatever. Yeah. So no, that's, that's a great chunk of change, man. You know, freeing up $56 million by just cutting Casey Hayward, Trey Turner, mm-hmm. and working in that extension for Linvod Joseph, I think. You know, that's a no-brainer. And $56 million in cash space, you know, that gets you a lot. That gets you in the conversation for a lot of good free agents. Um, so next, I think the first order of business after this, and it's something that the Chargers could do as soon as, uh, you know, we're recording this on Sunday. As soon as tomorrow for you guys, the Chargers could come to an agreement or not really come to an agreement. They could slap the franchise tag on Hunter Henry. I think he's the only candidate that that would make sense for. Um, and so I want to do that just to see what it looks like. So we'll franchise tag Hunter Henry, and that would takes it from sorry, what was it out before? 49 million, yeah, 49.8. You franchise tag Hunter Henry, and it takes it to 39.7. And the franchise tag number is that right? The 10.16 yeah, no, is this year. No, it was 10.6 this year, so it was about 500k um, higher than that. But um, yeah, no. So the thing with Hunter Henry is just like you have to it's probably going to go up a little bit. They haven't decided all the franchise tag values. So 
I would guess that in reality, Hunter Henry's cap, if it's a franchise tag, is probably going to be closer to around 11 or 12 um, because it's going to go up a little bit just based on uh, salaries going up, right? So I I think that it's last year was 10.6. I'm going to guess it's going to be closer to 11. Yeah. And I'm I'm pretty like it has to go up for doing it a second time in a row. Like it doesn't, it wouldn't get lower. So that, that one doesn't make sense to me. Okay. So let's, Let's talk about Hunter Henry. Alex did a great video on our YouTube channel about the Chargers options with Hunter Henry. Um, so Tyler, I'll ask you this first. What do you think happens with Hunter Henry? What do you think should happen with Hunter Henry? Uh, will happen, extend him, should happen, extend him. I think it's a no-brainer. I think it helps the line. I think it helps, obviously, the tight end group. It helps Justin Herbert, the rest of the offense. I don't think this is. there's any reason to not do it other than injuries, but he played a full healthy year, technically. So I'm cool with it. Extend him. Uh, yeah, no, I, th- I think you should extend Hunter Henry. Um, it's also just less risky than doing the franchise tag, because if you do the franchise tag again, you have no control uh, over Hunter Henry the next year if you can't reach a deal by that July deadline. Yeah. So I think it's just smarter to get it done now uh, and, you know, figure figure out the rest later. Um, I know people will be like, you know, Hunter Henry hasn't exploded onto the scene, right? There, there's no Pro Bowl appearance or there's, you know, not a, a, a beastly season from him. But I, I do think we were asking him to do two things, uh, you know, as I said, um, kind of a bunch of times, but we were asking him to stay healthy and we were asking him to block better. And he did both of those things in 2020, even though it wasn't yep. uh, amazing numbers. Uh, and his numbers would have been better if he didn't miss two games because of COVID, unfortunately. So, um, you know, he would have broken all of his personal records, uh, I believe, in terms of yards, at least. So um, I would extend Hunter Henry. Uh, like I said in the video, I think if Hunter Henry wants to move on, then uh, someone like Zach Ertz makes a lot of sense. But for, for the time being, I just think it's very Chargers to take care of your own guys uh, yeah. and, and keep developing them. You know, Hunter Henry is also four years younger than Zach Ertz. Uh, so I, I would just, you know, sign him to that four year uh, extension. Yeah, I agree with that. And we've talked about, like, the Chargers don't really have a good option. I, I know the Zach Ersing has come out since we previously talked about this, uh, and that is easily the best option, you know, the best alternative, in my opinion. But, you know, say Zach Ertz, you know, say, like, the Seahawks trade for Zach Ertz, then the Chargers are stuck. They don't have any other quality options, right? Like, maybe a Cameron break gets cut, but is that even really much better? Like, you know, they don't really have a choice here. Um, maybe because of the cap going down and maybe because of, you know, his familiarity with the team, maybe they could get a, a little bit of a cheaper deal out of Hunter Henry, but I agree. I just don't think that they have a choice. I've seen a couple people talk about Donald Parham and while I do think he's a good second option for them, it's just not super realistic to rely on him. I watched a couple of games of his and he did improve as a blocker. I think, and I think that's, that's good moving forward. You don't have to sign green again. Um, if you sign Parham, but. You know, ask, asking him to run routes and be like Hunter Henry is just not not realistic right now. There were some moments on tape where he had a little bit of a twitch, but otherwise he's just kind of just like a, a lumber this on a drag or kind of go this way and turn around. He's just not a great receiving option yet. More of like a gadget, you know, 20, 25 catches kind of guy. Oh, hello. <laughs> 19 million cap. <laughs> Whoops. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair if we're doing this contract to say, you know, yeah, I mean, 10 to 12 million a year. um, That's kind of where Hunter Henry ends up falling, I think. Um, So I I think that's a decent, you know, and 
the, the thing about the contract structure is it's going to be a little bit different, right? You know, there's yeah. a lot of GMs that can front load the contract. There's a lot of GMs that, you know, if they're working on this Hunter Henry extension, uh, maybe give him a lot more money and signing bonus up front uh, in terms of the guarantees, right? So uh, I think that's the important thing. It's not just going to be like, oh, he's getting this value this year, this value this year, right? Uh, but that's how we use it in uh, in over the cap and spot track. So. Yeah, and you know, over the cap, it's pretty straightforward, right? You know, it increases slightly every single year. Uh, and this would equal, you know, the kind of contract that I think makes a lot of sense for him. So we'll extend Hunter Henry. Uh, they're now back to similar um, with the franchise tag, 39.8. Well, actually, this would be uh, 45 because the difference is in cap numbers. Um, okay, let's talk about Michael Davis next. I think he would be the next up on the list. And, and that is. You know, his evaluation, I think it's not on spot track. It's a little tougher for, um, you know, for us to kind of figure it out. The draft network predicts that he's only worth $5 million, which I think is a no brainer. Like if that's the case, then, yeah. you know, he's not going anywhere. But, you know, Daniel Popper did suggest, you know, a three-year $27 million contract for uh, Michael Davis. And I think that would make some sense. Um, nine million, nine million per year would be a little rich for my liking. Um, what do you guys think about Michael Davis? Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be five million. I think it's going to be closer, definitely to seven or eight. Um, just because I think teams really value speed on the outside. I think teams value, especially a guy who's young, uh, and, and can get after it right on the outside. Uh, there's not a lot of those guys around in the league uh, at that age that are readily available uh, for someone to go get. So I think that's why Michael Davis would cost somewhere between uh, $7 million and $9 million, kind of like Popper said. Uh, but I still think even if that's the price, uh, you go for it. it, you know, especially because in this simulation, we, you know, we cut Casey Hayward you know, you need a quarterback, <laughs> you yeah. know, you don't have any more quarterbacks uh, other than, you know, if you want to start Devon Campbell at outside corner. <laughs> so um, I think, you know, Michael Davis becomes a must resign. I think he's a must resign if you're keeping Hayward anyway. Uh, but since we freed up that money from Hayward, now we kind of have the money to just pay off the Michael Davis deal. And that works for me. Davis played better than Hayward last year overall. I think he improved so much, you know, I think possibly at the most improved player on the team last season and corners, elite corners, not that Davis is an elite corner, but elite corners are really expensive. Davis has continued to improve. If he takes another step next season, then the contract is totally worth it. Three years for yeah. you know 27 million. You'll, you'll take that. You got another two years of potentially elite corner play. I'll take it. Yeah. And I, I think there will be some kind of projecting, right? Because there, he has continued to progress and he's got all the physical traits that the chargers are looking for in either scheme, right? Like you, he's yep. somebody that the Chargers would be extending regardless of Anthony Lynn being the coach or Brandon Staley being the coach because he, he fits any scheme really. And you know, that, that is the one thing that, you know, I know everybody, I don't want to talk bad or good about Gus Bradley because he's not on the Chargers anymore, but you know, they let him play more man to man coverage last year. And I think Michael Davis was able to thrive because of it. And, you know, we've talked about this. He was on Stefan Diggs most of that game and he did a fantastic job. And he's one of the only players in the league that can keep up uh, and do a good job against Tyree Kill too. So um, I just think his value, he's a must resign and you can't let a cornerback who's finally coming into his own leave and go elsewhere. It just, it's not the Tom Telesco way. It's not the chargers way. And it's just in general, not a smart way to 
build a, an NFL football team. Like you got to keep your own guys that are taking those steps and you got to keep them around and, and keep developing them. So we'll do what, like three for 24. Yeah. That sounds good to me. I think that's a good balance between what uh, Popper was suggesting and what um, the other people are suggesting. So we'll just do an even, we'll do seven for the first year and then we'll work up. Just make it nice and easy. Obviously, really, this is going to be really entertaining for, for people listening on podcasts. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Watching, hearing Stephen click clacking on the computer. Sorry, guys. All right, Alex got there a tough go. joke done. Uh, I don't have any. Okay, so that takes it from. Um, oh gosh, math is hard. Um, Forty-five million dollars in cap space to thirty-eight. Is that right? Yeah, thirty-eight, thirty-nine. For sure. Something like that. Okay, so those are the first two ones. I think we're all on the same page that Melvin Ingram uh, can go bye-bye and <laughs> um, not be any... I don't know why that was so funny. I don't know why I said that. But, uh, yeah, Melvin Ingram is not being resigned. Are we all in agreement there? Yes. Yeah, I, I don't think Melvin Ingram should be resigned. I I don't think it's like 100% he won't be resigned. I think there may be a type of deal where they get him for like a one year type extension uh, and, and approve it deal, maybe to re-enter uh, next free agency with a better season and a better uh, uh, just, you know, I mean, he had zero sacks this year. Right? Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of what we're talking about and why we're not talking about resigning him. Cause you know, going into this year, I think we said it last episode, it was re- like a real competition. Like who's going to get resigned Melvin Ingram or Hunter Henry. Right. If you're, if we want to dole out that money and, um, Melvin Ingram just had a bad year and it was unfortunate for him because of the injuries, but I, I don't think you could afford to sign him to like a three year extension or something like that. I think the most possible thing if they wanted to resign him was like a one year prove it deal that sets him up for free agency next year, maybe so he could kind of bounce back, but that's about it. Yeah, I think the one year deal is certainly possible. I do think, you know, there are some pieces to say that, you know, he could stick around. A, being cheaper, B, the Chargers just might need to hang on to him for another year because they have to go offensive line, corner, receiver, whatever. Um, and then also Giff Smith did stick around. And so there's some familiarity there. He might go to bat for him. But otherwise, I, I do think he's gone. Yeah, you know, it, it's a very similar conversation to Trey Turner, right? Like, it's most likely that he, that Melvin Ingram is not as bad as he was this year. Like, there's... Mm-hmm. There's no scenario where he goes out next year and again gets zero sacks, in my opinion. Like the, the odds are just not in favor of that happening. Mm-hmm. And so could he bounce back? Could he be, you know, a five, six, seven sack guy next year, you know, and, and be around the same kind of tackles for loss efforts? Sure. I'm just not paying him the kind of money that it requires. Like that's that's just the real, that's just the reality of the situation. So you know, we could mess around with some of the other guys here. You know, Mike Pouncey still is on here, even though he retired. Um, Denzel Perryman, Tyrod Taylor, those are kind of the next ones. But let's talk about some free agents here. So I think the biggest name that has been mentioned among Chargers Nation and, and, and you know, the Bolt family and all that is Joe Thune. And <laughs> I think Joe Thune is a fantastic player. But this is kind of why I wanted to show this, because Joe Thune's contract, his market value is five years and $70 million, according to spot track. And it's the same thing for Brandon Scherf. So, you know, we're looking at the Chargers cap space right now. 
They have uh, 32, 93, 143, 189, 230 over the next five years. Adding just Joe Thune to those numbers, it's going to be massive, massive value for what the Chargers are looking at. And so his yearly average would be $14 million per year. Sorry again for the audio listening to me. <laughs> typing away <laughs> clacking, on the, on the clacking away on my computer. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think Joe Thune is definitely like the biggest possible offensive line investment. Um, I guess maybe unless Trent Williams was was really available. Um, but I think the Niners are going to re-sign him pretty quick. Uh, Thune is the biggest possible addition and... You know, I, I know people be skeptical about big offensive line additions, Grant, given what happened last year with Trey Turner and Brian Balaga. Um, but I think the difference with Thune and those signings from last year is just Thune's younger uh, and, you know, he has less mileage on him, played fantastic last year. Uh, I just think he's such an upgrade over what the Chargers have now uh, in Feeney and, you know, Lamp uh, that it's for me even though it's a lot of money, I would honestly vote yay on this one. I'm going to vote no because of that contract. And because I do believe you can play money ball a little bit and sign some other guys to make up the yeah. combination that works. If they were only one or two holes away from a good offensive line, perhaps, but the fact that they probably need four plus two backups means I'm going to go a couple of different areas. Steven's the tiebreaker. <laughs> yeah, Steven I'm already gonna, tweeted this, so I know what he's yeah. thinking. <laughs> I, I'm going to vote no on this one too, just oh. because you know, like, like Tyler said, right? If Dan Feeney had taken like that step of development that we all were hoping for and that we all thought was happening, and after the first three or four games, then I would be in favor of this. But you know, they like cutting Trey Turner means you have to upgrade both guard spots, in my opinion. And, you know, sure, you could draft one, but teams don't want to pigeonhole themselves into having to draft need in the second and third rounds. They want to be able to take the best players available. And so, you know, signing a Joe Thune makes a lot of sense. He's a great player and he is absolutely fills a position of need. I just think he's he's too expensive, man. When you could take this $14 million and sign two starting level guards instead of one. I think makes a lot of sense, but I'm going to extend him and then I'll undo it just to uh, see the numbers. So that goes from 32 to 18. And obviously the, you know, the next few years, it's just a huge, huge contract and, you know, guards are becoming more valuable and, and especially, you know, with the way that they're playing, but $14 million for a guard is, it's just so much money for, for one position. That's not, you know, a tackle, a quarterback, a receiver, a corner, an edge rusher. So, the money just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, I, I think that's totally fair. I mean, I would go for it because it's not my money that I'm spending. Um, <laughs> but but the Chargers might be yeah. a little more conservative, like you said, and say, hey, you know, let's try to get two linemen uh, for the price of one really expensive one. So I think that's totally fair. And I don't know if we'll ever get to this guy, but the guy I was I was considering, well, there's a couple of guys and I'm sure we'll get to a certain Packer, but uh, I was thinking Feliciano, yeah. who played three different positions for the Bills yeah. last season. I think that just helps you when you are trying to draft. It's kind of the reason I thought they would keep Dan Feeney, and they still might. It's because you could put him at guard or center. Feliciano, you could put him at left guard, center, or right guard. And so, you know, whatever happens in the draft, you can just kick him the other way. And I don't think the money is all that different. It's not like a guard versus a tackle or a left tackle. You're paying someone a you know, big difference or ahead of time. You need to know if they're a left tackle or a guard for him. Just plug him along the interior. Um and he's a 
not bad. It's not great, but again, it's it's Moneyball. Only had 23 pressures last year, and we'll take that. Like a marginal improvement over what they're used to is a big improvement for this team. Yeah, and you know, that versatility for me, like that's something that I've thought a lot about for this team is just being able to get five talented players and be able to figure out the positions later. And, you know, in this kind of instance, you know, we can talk about Corey Lindsley and John Feliciano being the two targets here. And I think, you know, if you get the two of them for a combined $15 million, like yeah. that's a steal. And then you can keep Dan Feeney if you want and play him at guard, or you can keep Forrest Lamp and play him at guard. Then you can draft a guard in the later rounds and provide some competition. And it's the same reason why, you know, Rayshon Slater and Elijah Vera Tucker make a lot of sense at 13, mm-hmm. just because the Chargers really do need a talent upgrade at every spot. And you can just, you know, you take a talented player and then you figure it out later. And so I think Feliciano would be a good place to start here. Um, I think on spot track, his value is three for 24, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. It's 8 million. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think, you know, $8 million for a starting you know, left guard, center, right guard. You know, he played all three for the Bills last year. And so I think that uh, would make a lot of sense. Yeah, uh, I'm in favor of the deal. I'm sure Tyler is too. Uh, it, it's more smart money, uh, I guess. He's a pretty easy plug and play replacement for Trey Turner. And I think he's at a stage in his career where he's just playing better. Okay, so this is going to take us from, you know, again, you know, just kind of, uh, front loading or back loading the, the contract, excuse me. Um, you know, it will help the Chargers make some space. So uh, let's talk about Lindsley next. You know, I, I think Lindsley is most likely going to stay in Green Bay, but they have so many free agents that they've got to pay, right? Like, you know, if they're choosing between Corey Lindsley and Aaron Jones, like, how are they going to choose between that? Or, you know, um, I forget the tight end's name. Um, Tanyan. Tanya, yeah, who had a career breakout season last year and should have been a pro bowler. You know, how are they going to make those kind of decisions? Do you choose a weapon for Aaron Rodgers because Lord knows he needs more weapons? Or do you choose to keep the offensive line, which was, you know, until David Bakhtiari got hurt, it was the best line in the league um, in every single metric. So, you know, they're going to have some decisions to make. I would assume that Lindsley uh, stays, but if he's available, I think it's a no-brainer sign for the Chargers. And, you know, you get to, pair him back with uh, Brian Balaga. Yeah, I think his spot track value was about nine or 10 million, which is uh, obviously he's kind of a center. That's a little bit more affordable than Lindsley. If you're playing kind of paying prime at that position and this team is letting Pouncey walk or Pouncey retired, I should say. So then, um, you know, you can use basically Pouncey's 9 million cap hit uh, plus a little bit extra to go get uh, Corey Lindsley or someone like that. This is a no-brainer for me. You love, I mean, first of all, ten million a year for for an all-pro guy. Give me that any. I, mean, I don't care what it is. Blank, honestly, blank check for me with Lindsay. As a half sort of kind of Raiders fan, please don't log off. Um, I've watched the Raiders take you know take Hudson, sign him in free agency, and that line has been good since that move four, five, whatever years ago. It makes such a difference to have someone like Hudson over Feeney, and now you have Lindsay coming into the picture, who also only allowed four pressures last season. And he's only worth ten million. I mean, come on. I think. I mean, I think he'll be worth a little bit more than that. But uh, I think this is a no-brainer. I'd I'd rather overpay for him than anybody else in this free agent class. 
Thanks for making my uh, half Eagles fandom look much better, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, no one has to worry about me. I'm 100% Chargers, man. So, um, you know, I think this makes it makes so much sense to get the center where it's supposed to be. And Dan Feeney, like, you know, he in theory, he could be a serviceable center next year. And I think he's a better center than a guard personally. I just think, he, you know, as a guard, his lack of functional strength is a bit more exposed. Um, but, you know, in this kind of instance where you're having him next to uh, Corey Lindsay, I think that helps tremendously. And, you know, you saw what kind of happened with him when he was next to Mike Pouncey. So uh, this makes a lot of sense to me. Sorry, I'm going to turn off my notifications. Should have done this beforehand. <laughs> The only thing I, yeah, the other thing I would say is like people be like, oh, well, you're signing all these offensive linemen. Um, you know, how, how does that work under the cap? And, and we can kind of get into it with the cap room we have left. But also, you know, next year in 2022, Brian Balaga, you know, instead of being 14 million in cap, he's 14 million in cap with 3 million dead cap, right? So then you can kind of game the system there and be like, well, we may save 11 million next year by cutting Balaga. So, uh, you know, then that kind of opens the door to all these possibilities. And I'm sure Telesco has thought uh, close to that far in the future anyway. Yeah. And I, I don't know how the dead cap works for, for Brian Blaga next year, but you know, they could easily have him come off the books next year. Yeah. Um, it's about, th- it's about 3 million in dead cap with 14 in, in salary so that they okay. say 11 million. Yeah. And in this instance too, like, you know, Limbaugh Joseph would be much cheaper next year. Chris Harris will be cheaper next year. Um, and uh, Mike Williams, we'll see. I, I would imagine that Mike Williams is not fifteen million dollars next year. Um, yeah, but we'll have to see there. So, you know, signing Corey Lindsay, I think, is a no-brainer. I think if the Chargers wanted to go a cheaper route, you know, I would be in favor of signing a Larry Warford or a Denzel Good. Warford's not in this list. Um, I don't know why he's not on over the cap, but uh, Denzel Good is, and I think Denzel Good would probably cost you like five, four, six million dollars, maybe in that range. Um, So let's move on to the next one, which I think uh, is kind of the other big one. I think at this point, after signing Feliciano and Lindsay Lindsley, it might be a bit of a reach, but that is Leonard Floyd, uh, the pass rusher from the Rams. Who's been with Staley for a while. So if you can see my notes right here, his spot track market value is four years, $52 million. So that's a bit of a reach, but what do you guys make about uh, signing Leonard Floyd at this point with uh, Henry Davis, Feliciano, and Lindsley already uh, on the roster? See, this is one of those things where Telesco smarter than us because we were just going, hey, we'll sign that guy, and now we're close <laughs> to out of money. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that's uh, that's what happens. But um, I think Leonard Floyd would be a good signing. I mean, maybe Leonard Floyd, you know, means that, you know, in this scenario, we could take Feliciano out and then put Leonard Floyd in, uh, depending on, you know, kind of what you want to do. And then that, that kind of makes up the money. But I, I think Leonard Floyd makes a lot of sense. I don't know if he's going to get 13 million, but he's certainly going to be in that 10 to 13 million per range. Um, I think he's probably like my favorite potential like outside linebacker defensive end to type to get uh, if they really want uh, that edge to replace Melvin Ingram through free agency. Uh, so yeah, again, this is not my money, so I would do it. <laughs> but, uh, I, I just think um, because we've signed Lindsley and because we've signed Feliciano, this move becomes uh, a little bit harder to make. And that's fine. 
I'm going to say no. I think I keep drumming up the idea that for some reason the Chargers are not going to take an edge guy in the second round. I don't know why. I just feel like after I've watched, keep watching different edge guys, and granted, they are different. They're not just all outside linebackers, not just all, you know, three, four defensive ends. But I don't know. I just keep leaning towards the fact that, like, maybe they'll find a guy in the second round that they can take and that someone will get bumped to that second round that they could get. I also think the money's a little bit complicated, and I do prefer a different Rams free agent over Floyd right now because I think that would help with the transition of this defense uh, more than anything. Yeah. So I, I agree with that. And, um, you know, Signing him right now to a $13 million cap hit, you know, that doesn't even leave the Chargers with enough space to sign their draft class because they do have nine picks right. to draft and sign. Um, so we'll have to see about that one. I, I can't imagine that in this instance that they would sign it. But then again, you know, like we said earlier, Telesco is a much smarter person and, and Ed McGuire knows how to work this, this cap really well. So maybe they mm-hmm. move on into a different direction. So uh, let's move on to that other Rams free agent, which is John Johnson. Um, I, everyone knows, like, we're, at least me and Tyler, we're in favor of this. So, Alex, I'll let you, let you uh, start this off. What do you make about signing John Johnson at this point? Um, I think it makes sense. It, it gives you a uh, upgrade over, obviously, you know, Nasir Hatterley and, and Sean Jenkins, and you pair him with Derwin James. Uh, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I think it's uh, possible that they go after John Johnson and make a pursuit of him. I just wonder where that leaves someone like Nasir Adderley, who is, you know, still kind of developing. Um, so, you know, I, so I don't know if they'll totally go for that or if they want to go with Derwin and, and this year, next year, right. Sean is also still kind of in the mix, depending on what they want to do with him. He's another free agent that we didn't uh, talk about that's pending. Uh, I think John Johnson makes a lot of sense if they want to do it. Um, it probably means, well, definitely means you're not bringing Rayshon back at, you know, a $5 million cap hit or something like that. Um, the only reason that I question it is because I still think they do have a lot of belief in Adderley uh, eventually developing. Uh, I don't think they've completely given up on him yet, uh, but I, I would totally be in favor of going after John Johnson. I just have a feeling that Staley doesn't really care about Adderley like all that much. Like there's no reason for him to, <laughs> I don't know. I and... mean, yeah, I mean, maybe that's possible. I just think, you know, if you, you know, I mean, Benjamin Solek was kind of talking about this, but you could put Adderley deep and kind of use him better than the last coaching staff did. I still think there is a lot of raw athleticism and talent there that just, you know, needs to be conditioned better. I mean, he was a second round pick that, you know, a lot of us at the time were arguing should have gone at the end of the first round uh, when, when they picked uh, Jerry Tillery. Yeah. So, I just think, you know, uh, I think Staley is still going to value Nasir Adderley. Um, obviously, he probably wants his guy, John Johnson, over him. Uh, but I just wonder how that plays into things. I mean, there's certainly a role for him. He's going to right. look in the same way that John Johnson played, you know, 408 box snaps, 230 slot corner snaps, 353 right. safety snaps, 32 defensive line snaps. Not that Adderley is going to play defensive line. <laughs> but, um, you know, you can move these guys around. And I think that's just what Staley is going to do. At yeah. the end of the day, Johnson, for me, is so cheap and helps his defense so much by being the guy who's probably going to call plays, which we already saw freed up Kenneth Murray in the Jets game, I believe. And so, you know, you take a guy who's the fourth, I think the fourth best tackling efficiency among starting safeties, plug that in, a guy you can move anywhere, reliable tackler and command your defense. And just let the guys go play. Let Murray go blitz. Let James do his thing. Bosa, whatever. I just, and for five years, 8.3, I think is what it is at Spot Rack. 
I just don't think you can pass that up. Yeah, the play calling thing is is an interesting part of it because you know do you know do they want Kenneth Murray to be the quarterback of the defense? Do they want Derwin James to be the quarterback of the defense? I think that's an interesting part of the John Johnson signing as well. Yeah, it would be, and like I've said before, you know this signing John Johnson gives you the the best possible insurance policy in case Derwin James does not is not able to ditch the injury bug. I think he's going to. Right. Um, I think that, you know, he's too athletic and he's too freaky of an athlete to, you know, continue to be injured. Um, But I just think, you know, making a signing for John Johnson, it just makes so much sense to me. Um, And, you know, $8 million, it's not, I think that would put him at like the seventh or eighth highest paid safety. So it's not like ridiculous, but it is a good contract for him. Yeah. And I think he deserves it. You know, he's he's been a you know great player for the Rams, and I think he does deserve this kind of money. So sorry again if you're listening to the audio and listening to me type away, but we're just gonna get yeah. The, the, the interesting thing that's um, that that's or interesting to me at least is you know what if this team didn't let uh, Adrian Phillips walk last year? Uh, not saying Adrian Phillips yeah. is as good as John Johnson, but you know if you had him, uh, there would certainly be less of a need. To go out and I think uh, I grab that you know pre- a safety at a premium price at least. Yeah, so I I accidentally added an extra zero and, and it would have been an eighty five million <laughs> cap hit for him. <laughs> now we're talking NBA money. There we go. <laughs> That's yeah. MLB money, man. Uh, true. <laughs> um, so in this instance, the Chargers would have about fourteen fifteen million dollars left to sign, you know, whoever else they wanted. And again, you know, we could take out a John Feliciano or Corey Lindsley and. and Put in a Denzel Good, a Larry Warford, or somebody else, and the Chargers would be able to have, you know, more money there. Um, so, guys, any other free agents? You know, I've got a couple ones, but any free agents that you want to specifically talk about here? Um, none that immediately come to mind. Uh, I guess if you want to talk about, uh, I don't know, which um, are there any other edge free agents that are kind of interesting to you outside of the Floyd's and the Watts? I mean, sorry about that. <laughs> not, none that are cheap, you right. know. I mean, they're all kind of expensive. Or I would just take one in the draft. Yeah, the only one that uh, has piqued my interest, if they want to do, and again, this wouldn't even really factor into the salary cap because I think he would be so cheap. Uh, is because they're switching back to three four and doing outside linebacker. I think uh, Jerry Attachu would be uh, pretty interesting uh, if they wanted to get him back. Uh, I think that would be kind of an interesting signing. Obviously, I think he worked with uh, Staley before in Denver. Uh, so I think that would be kind of an interesting signing. No, that's yeah. a good call. I think that's. But also, he makes like two million dollars a year, so <laughs> factor into super the cap. Cheap, yeah, <laughs> super yeah. cheap. So I, I think the other big one to talk about in terms of defensive signings would be Leonard Williams. Uh, Leonard yeah. Williams would be a monster cap hit, five for fifty-six. But in terms of a three-four defensive end, you know, he he played four-three defensive tackle um previously with the jets i believe and then switched to three four defensive end with the giants this past year and he had a huge huge season and so the cap it would be huge but you know getting him back to la he's a usc kid and pairing him with joey bosa instead of a leonard floyd or you know potentially a von miller as an inside rusher i think on paper at least it would make a lot of sense in terms of cap it uh that's a huge contract man (laughs) Right. Um, and I think it's important to point out, you know, even though we just said Leonard Williams is $11 million or so per year. And, you know, you, you might notice we only have $10 million left to work with. 
you know, it, the camp is kind of, uh, you know, as some people say, the camp isn't real. Um, yeah. And there, there are ways to work around it. You can go over the camp a little bit uh, and, and figure it out, right, as you see, right? So we could give Leonard Williams $11 million this year. Uh, and let's say we give him four years for, I don't know, 44 million, something like that. But that would, you know, kill our cap room this year. But then next year you would see that, oh, we already would, we would have 50 or 55 million that would open up. Right. Uh, even with, uh, that signing. So, you know, even though you take that, maybe you dive into the red this year, uh, slightly, I still think that's kind of a signing that would be worth it along with Leonard Floyd and some of the other guys that we've been talking about. Yeah, if you're going to overpay, not overpay. He's, he had about 62 pressures last season, 13 sacks, 30 run stops. It's not like it's overpaying. You're going to pay him whatever the hell he's due. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if I had to pick between Floyd and Williams, I'm, I'm taking Williams. Yeah. Yeah, that would just be, that would be like the biggest splash, I think. And, you know, it'd be one that makes a lot of sense. It's going to be interesting. The Giants do, the Giants can't afford him. Um, but, you know, $56 million is no joke. So, the other thing that's really interesting to me, you know, I'm personally against this kind of um, decision-making process, but signing a left tackle that's not named Sam Tevy is an interesting thing for this team because, you know, if you look at, at the spot track values, you have Alejandro Villanueva for three for 49. You know, he is 32, but he's only played for six years in the NFL because of his army service. So I'm not in favor of that, but it is interesting. Trent Williams, his, his market value is three for 54. Again, he's older. I, I'm just in favor of drafting a young player, but you know, Cam Robinson is young. He's not like super good. He's probably almost on the same level of Sam Tevy, honestly, but his value is listed at four for 45. Taylor Moton, he would be really interesting in terms of a free agent tackle signing. He would be my choice, but you know, you look at that five year, $73 million cap it. And that's a lot of dough. So what do you guys make of potentially signing a left tackle for the Chargers this year? Yeah, I'm kind of in line with your thinking where uh, I don't think it's the best option. And if you're going to do any of those guys, my preference would just be maybe re-sign Sam Tevy to a kind of manageable deal and draft, you know, your left tackle uh, in round one, hopefully. Uh, so that would be where I want to go. Uh, I think... Villanueva becomes interesting, as I mentioned a couple times on the podcast, because, you know, Surratt is now with the Chargers, uh, yeah. who's been his offensive line coach for a while. So I think that's a move that the Chargers will look at. Uh, I want to say it was PFF did a top 50 free agents list a while ago. And one of the connections that they did have uh, were Villanueva and Lindsley to the Chargers, maybe instead of, uh, you know, a another guard like Feliciano or Dooney. So, I think that would be uh, an interesting signing. I do think he's a little older, so I would kind of prefer to go through the draft, but I would certainly understand if the Chargers did it. I would understand if they did it, and I think there's a chance that some, well, it depends on what they think of Sam Tavey, that there is some sort of backup tackle or swing tackle that signed this offseason. But yeah, in terms of looking at a starter, not only does it work out for them where they pick, and then based on, let's say they do something similar to what we're doing in free agency here, it's pretty clear, at least set up for them to take a tackle within the first two rounds. Certainly in the, in the first round, I think we all think is the most realistic. Um, I just, I'm kind of sick of watching band-aids go on this roster, this left tackle yeah. spot. And granted, you know, Telesco has drafted tackles before or guards and whatnot. It hasn't worked out. I'm not against, you know, I think fans bring up that, you know, we shouldn't draft a lineman because Telesco doesn't draft <laughs> lineman well. Like, yeah. okay, 
Telesco also drafted uh, two quarterbacks and then drafted Justin Herbert. Now, granted, they weren't first round high priority guys, but like, I'm not just going to not draft someone because they right. draft this yeah. thing well. Um, if they're a good prospect, you draft them. So um, for me, I'm just not really into any of these guys coming in as a starting left tackle. Um, some of these depth guys, swing tackles, fine. Uh, but starters, no. You're going to, I am all in at 13. At worst, second round, but I'm all in on one of those draft picks for sure. I mean, yeah, and the thing we talk about with uh, tackles or taking guards in the draft and stuff is I think the Chargers haven't been doing that enough, and I know we we all kind of think that, but that sort of compounded their issues last year, right? If you have Balaga and uh, Turner and they don't work out for a year uh, or they have injuries, right, they didn't really have a, a good backup plan you know, maybe if you took a tackle in the second round or you took a guard in the third round, it would certainly uh, ease the pain a little bit. And, you know, hopefully it wouldn't have been a Trey Pipkins kind of type project. But I think they compounded their issues by not using any of the capital in the draft that uh, last year. Yeah. And, you know, really like this is another instance in which versatility comes into play because, like, I understand why they wanted to give the full 16 games to Dan Feeney and let him be able to, you know, have that full evaluation at center. But it really should have been as easy as putting Dan Feeney at right guard and putting Scott Questenberry at center. But yeah, they refused to do that because they didn't feel like they had the versatility and the depth to do that. And that's just, you know, that's why signing a guy like John Feliciano and drafting someone like Ray John Slater, Elijah Vera Tucker, Landon Dickerson, who can play all three spots on the interior and probably play tackle too. Uh, if they needed him to. So I just think versatility uh, needs to be the theme for the offensive line up front, and then they can figure out the positions later. But, you know, I would understand it. You know, I'm not going to be mad if they sign Alejandro Villanueva. I think he's been a really good player in the NFL. Uh, just like Tyler, I'm, I'm sick of the band-aids, man. I just want them to be able to get their long-term future left tackle, which they haven't had since Marcus McNeil, which is just a tragedy. And so, you know, if I were running an NFL team, I'm drafting an offensive lineman every single year within the first three rounds, and I don't really care yeah. about positions. Like, you know, it's just such a valuable position group. You got to be able to have that quality depth, and the way that Tom Telesco has, I don't want to say neglected because he he has made attempts. You know, it's not really his fault sure. that Trey Turner couldn't stay healthy and that they went through six guards in one season. But you know, just the way that he hasn't drafted enough is is my biggest you know critique of tom telesco and he also needs to save his ass this season he could be completely <laughs> yeah, he gone at the end of this year um i actually think this is the best opportunity for him to draft and then develop not that he's developing a an offensive tackle or any offensive lineman because i do think this staff seems to be the most competent and most i assume analytics you know uh, sports science driven to build this offensive line so i do think he can look good and say hey well you know the offensive line didn't work out before we have this new staff and now the offensive line is working out, which means I always maybe already had these good guys. It's just the staff that I had underneath me, these coaches weren't really developing them. So if they develop now, I think he can save his ass. The other reason to take a, a tackle is because I think Tristan Wirfs is making $16 million over the next four years. And I think you would take that um, at 13 it's a bargain. Yeah, it's no, a bargain. I mean, huge, ridiculous bargain. I'm sure they'll extend him after like two more years. I don't think they have to wait till the fourth year. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, taking a guy like that over our, our free agency right here is expensive. Like who we drafted or not drafted, who we signed, a little expensive. And if you want like a Johnson or a Floyd and a Lindsay and a Feliciano, you got to make, you know, some sort of cut, I guess. So you can't just, I just, I don't want to go out and sign some George Fant deal for like two years, 20 million. Like I just, 
just yeah. get your tackle, pay him four or five million dollars a year for the next four years, and and develop with Herbert. Agreed. Uh, you know, I, if if we were running the team, you know, I think we should go out and sign. Uh, let's go out and sign Leonard Floyd and go, you know, negative twenty million in cap or whatever. But <laughs> um, no, I think that we've kind of laid it out. I mean, there's certainly some tough decisions that will need to be made in free agency, tough decisions in the draft. But I, I tend to agree. I favor going interior line and uh, in free agency if that's what we're going to do with Corey Linsley or, or yep. Thune, Feliciano, any of those kind of guys we've been talking about. Uh, and then for the tackle spots, I think you go to the draft uh, and, and get a guy, hopefully, with the first round pick. Uh, and, you know, like Tristan Wirfs, you know, you play on that deal uh, and then later on you extend them. And uh, eventually when you do extend them, uh, it's doable uh, because you, uh, well, Justin Herbert might not be expensive by the <laughs> And that'd be cheap by then. But, um, you know, I, I think you, you'll have definitely at least four or five years of a pretty cheap uh, first-round tackle. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just, it just makes too much sense, man. It, it really does. And I, I understand, like, you know, you don't want to pigeonhole yourselves, which I've already said, but it's just such a need. And at 13, you know, if Rayshon Slater there is there like we did in our mock draft, that's a no-brainer. And you can figure out the position later. I think he's a left tackle. But um, same with Elijah Vera Tucker, you know, Samuel Cosme, I know a lot of people are kind of souring on him, but I think he's an option there. And I think Christian Derrissaw is an option there, even though I'm not super high on him. Um, but, you know, I think they have the options to take a left tackle. And, like, unless Patrick Sertan is there, like, you know, Kyle Pitts isn't going to be there. I know everybody was kind of asking me about him this weekend. It just – it makes too much sense to take an offensive lineman this year. And it's and Tom Telesco, he's got to save his ass, like Tyler said, man. I will say that, okay – even if they don't tackle, take a tackle at 13, we at least addressed two starting spots on the yeah. offensive line. Like if you want to take a guy in the second round and say you've upgraded three spots this offseason, I think that's great. If they can do two, I'm happy with that. So they can go two free agents, one draft pick on a high, you know, high pick. Um, that's good enough for me. So they they can, because we cut Hayward, we only have Davis, they can take their corner now at 13. And I would feel okay with that. If they fill two holes along the offensive line and free agency, that's when I would start being okay with even taking, yes, I know, Waddle at 13. Whoa, Tyler. <laughs> I know. <laughs> wow. Wow, so, you, so really, you, really, you really changed. <laughs> this is character development. Thank well, you. I will say too, like in this instance, right, like they would have enough money to sign Sam Tevy back. Like, you know, they could have Sam Jesus. Tevy starting another year. <laughs> I know everybody kind of hates it, man, but Sam Tevy was the best lineman on the team last year, dude. So, like, I'm not saying okay, be a long-term starter. I'm not saying being a long-term <laughs> I starter stood here. there like this and <laughs> the best offensive lineman on the team last season. Oh, man. I'm not saying long-term starter, okay? I'm saying you... No, you're right. You bring Sam Tevy back. Yes. You draft a tackle in this case in the second round. You know, I don't think Dylan Redudin is going to be there, but that would be a dream. Um, yeah. You know, you could take a chance on Walker Little, uh, James Hudson, you know, Liam Eikenberg is there. I'm not really into Alex Leatherwood on this team. Um, so I think, you know, in this kind of instance, you bring back Tevi. And if the rookie is not ready to start, you start Tevi. If, he, if the rookie is ready to start, then Tevi's the backup. And he's, you know, a valuable swing tackle, which this team has not had, you know, similar to the Marcus McNeil thing. They haven't had a valuable t- backup tackle in a very long time. Uh, and I think Sam Tevy as the this primary swing tackle is not the worst thing in the world. Yes, yeah. as the primary swing tackle and backup, 
That's great. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that's kind of oh, one yeah. of the reasons I think, you know, someone like Popper said re-signing, you know, Feeney, Lamp, and, and, and maybe Tevi is a little bit more likelier than we think because if you can get them at that cheap price, uh, maybe less than $5 million per year, and then you can kind of start them in a backup role or a starting role, uh, I think that's kind of where people you know like them as opposed to them just being a full-time starter where they'll be more expensive yeah no doubt so some other potential free agent targets i think you know i tweeted this out but von miller if he's not or if he is not kept in denver on his option spot only has his market value at three years 30 million dollars so for me i know there's the legal issues but three for 30 for von miller sign me up no, I agree. And if everything check, if the Chargers signed him, even if we didn't get official confirmation of what happened in that case and what's going on with that, if the Chargers signed him, I would. It's not like the Cowboys and the Chiefs. If the Chargers signed him, I believe they've done their due diligence and they know that yes. everything checks out yes. for sure. Von Miller, I know it's, it's been a year, but in 2019 he had 77 pressures. Oh man! Please, like, put that on this team. That sounds so great if it checks out, and for 10 million dollars a year. Yeah, I, I think Von Miller might be kind of the one that's lurking in the distance. That would just make uh, a whole lot of sense you know, yeah. to me over a J.J. Watt, uh, over a Leonard Floyd. Uh, he's the guy that, you know, obviously Chris Harris is already here. Uh, you know, Brandon Staley uh, obviously was his coach. Uh, that would make kind of a lot of sense if he were to come here. And also Ronaldo Hill. Um, that's, you yeah. know, his uh, one of the guys who was in Denver for a while. So you can bring him in as you know, he's already as defense coordinator. So Von Miller would make a lot of sense. And I think in terms of value, you know, if people are kind of scared about that injury he suffered last year, that definitely works to the Chargers' favor. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about adding Von Miller, too, is that, like, who do you decide to double team? Like, are you going to double team <laughs> Von Miller or are you going to double team Joey Bosa? Like, man, that would just be some insane kind of versatility and potential for the charges to exploit there. You can put Joey Bosa rushing against a guard and Von Miller rushing on the outside on the same side, man. Like, oh, oh man, the, the possibilities there yeah. are just outrageous. And the way that the Broncos had it set up where they had Von Miller as the younger guy and then Demarcus Ware as that older veteran, yeah. like they were, that defense was so good. And I could see the exact same thing happening with like a younger Bosa and then Miller. Yeah. So the last, the last group that I want to talk about here just briefly is the cornerback room because it, it is possible that Michael Davis is not back on this team. And in mm-hmm. the scenario that we laid out that maybe Casey Hayward is cut and they're replacing both of those, uh, both, you know, outside corners, which would not be ideal, but it is possible. So maybe, you know, uh, Alex had, uh, you know, a big, I don't want to say attraction, but, you know, you were kind of into the idea yeah. of, of the Chargers, you know, bringing in Jack Del Rio as their head coach. Jack Del Rio did a amazing work with Ronald Darby. You know, his spot track evaluation is only four for 36. If you're losing both Hayward and, and Davis, I think Ronald Darby is not, you know, the worst signing in the world. Yeah. Um, unless he's in the Eagles jersey in which he gets completely burned by Amari <laughs> Cooper down the field every time. Um, I think Ronald Darby would be a solid signing. I mean, he's only going to cost, you know, four or $5 million. Uh, he's, he's not that expensive. Uh, I do think there is, some, um, you know, risk of him getting burned downfield, but he's younger uh, than uh, sort of a lot of the other corners on the market. Yeah. And I think that, you know, he he makes a lot of sense. And he had kind of a rebound year, I think, in Washington. So, 
you know, if you can kind of get him in that Brandon Staley system where obviously, you know, someone like Ronaldo Hill values those secondary players a lot. Uh, I think Ronald Darby could do pretty well. Yeah. Good call. I'll have to watch him. Sure. If, if Davis and Hayward are gone, you have yeah. to find somebody in free agency. Yeah. I don't care who it is. And then the other one really that's in a very similar tier to Michael Davis is William Jackson. Spotrack has his, uh, the former Cincinnati corner Spotrack has his value, similar uh, deal three for 28. Um, and then the biggest name on the cornerback market in terms of young guys is Shaq Griffin. Spotrack has his value at four for 44. Um, and then some people have mentioned Patrick Peterson. I don't think that's really all that likely, but his value is estimated at three for 30, which, you know, very similar to Vaughn Miller could be kind of a cheap veteran signing if you will. Um, but I, I, like we said, I think Michael Davis is, is definitely going to be back on this team. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I think Michael Davis is the most likely. And then, you know, if they do cut Casey Hayward, I think there's a lot of free agent options like Darby that could be interesting. If they really want to make a big play at Patrick Peterson for a year or two, um, I wouldn't hate that because I think he fits the Staley system a little bit better, but uh, he, he is a little older and is kind of clearly on the decline. All right, guys, any other thoughts before we wrap up today's show? Uh, not many. Uh, I, we, we have to get some news so we have to stop creating this content for ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Just give us, give us a little bit of something, Adam Schefter. Well, we'll see, man. They got the franchise tag it is able to be placed upon players starting on Tuesday. So we could be having a conversation about Hunter Henry. Again, I think he's the only option in terms of franchise tag. But uh, Tyler, any other thoughts before before we wrap up today? No, usually I do, but I have no thoughts right now. I'm just hungry. <laughs> it's three o'clock, man. Okay. <laughs> I'm 25. I'm fucking hungry all the time. Okay. I feel that, man. I feel that. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully you're able to uh, you know, kind of have some thoughts about some of these free agents. I think the Chargers are in a good spot with the cap, even if they don't cut Trey Turner and Casey Hayward. But you know, like we laid out, it's just it's a no-brainer to cut those guys and be able to sign kind of really whoever you want. Yep. Um, so thanks for tuning in. We'll keep you guys posted. Obviously, if there is a franchise tag place on Hunter Henry, we will have a great discussion about that. I can't wait to see if that happens. Other than that, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time. See ya. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.